That's nice. Thank you. Hey, uh, we're going to be diving right in today. Bob mentioned that we're going to be going into this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae 2,000 years ago. It's what we know in our Bibles as Colossians. And I want to invite you to make your way there in your Bibles. And as you do that, I just want you to know, I give you permission, if Bob ever calls me Grandpoo Ba, I would like you to call him Grandpoo Bob. <laughs> just not Grandpoo. We, we got to put something at the end of that. So we're going to be diving into Colossians, and we're going to be hanging out here really for the next three months. So if in your quiet time, if you've been wondering, hey, I'm looking for where I, where I want to read in Scripture, I would invite you to spend some time in Colossians. The time you put in studying it and reflecting a little bit in advance of the messages, it's going to help you when we come together on Sunday morning. What we're going to do today is we're going to kind of get set up and make our way into this series, and we're going to tell a little bit of the story behind the letter to the Colossi Church. Somebody once said that if I'm going to tell you a real story, I'm going to start with my name. And that is really true for the church at Colossae and the story behind it. You see, before we talk about the Colossian letter, we need to talk about a person who was born and raised in the city of Colossae. His name was Epaphras, or as we like to say in a Western PA, Epaphras. There is this boy, Epaphras, who is born in the ancient city of Colossae, and that's where he grew up. So what do we know about Colossae? Well, we know that it was located in what we know today is Turkey. At that point in time, it was called Asia Minor. And by the time Epaphras was born there in the mid-first century, it had kind of had its heyday, and it passed. It was once located on this major road that went from the western part of the Roman Empire and Greece, and that road passed through Colossae and went to the Middle East. And because of all the people that came back and forth, and because of the fact that many herdsmen raised sheep out in the countryside of Colossae, it became kind of like the textile center of the world. If you needed clothing, you went to Colossae. I kind of call it the ancient version of Kohl's, except there weren't confusing coupons that confused everybody. You just paid the price, and there wasn't savings that got, made it all crazy. It was where you went for clothes, but then, then the ancient Roman Empire comes in, and they moved that road. They put it 10 miles to the north through another city, all the foot traffic that was going through Colossae, it disappeared, and it went from this epicenter, this town in a heyday, to kind of a town that once was great, but after a period of time sort of became forgotten about. And if you visited there, you might see glimpses of its former glory, but that glory had passed. And that's where Epaphras grew up. Now, growing up in Colossae, there were two things he needed to know. Two things he needed to know to survive. The first was, if you want to make it, you got to keep the local gods happy. Just like all the other pagans of his time, he believed in many different gods who had all kinds of different influence on the world. And, and, and if something bad happened, well, it had to be because a god was mad. So then you had to go to the temple, make a sacrifice, say a prayer, do some kind of religious appeasement to get back in the gods' good graces. The second rule for survival in that time period was, don't mess with the Roman Empire. Roman soldiers were stationed in Colossae, and, and you just kept them happy. You didn't mess with them. In fact, not too long before Epaphras' time, the Caesar had declared himself a god and built temples all over the Roman Empire and told people, look, you must worship Caesar. Well, for a guy like Epaphras, he grew up with many different gods. No big deal. What is one more? I can do that. Now, that's Epaphras and Colossae. 
about 100 miles to the west of Colossae was another city, a city called Ephesus. You might recognize it. Ephesians, another letter that Paul wrote, was written to the church in this city. Ephesus was much different than Colossae. It, it was like the cultural and commercial center of the world. To, to Epaphras, it was the big city. If you think of Los Angeles as being like Rome, or, or in our country, Los Angeles is the big city on the western side of our country. Ephesus was like New York City. It was the big city on the eastern side of the Roman Empire. Now, the reason we're going through all of this geography is because the story of Colossians takes place between two, these two cities. Bible historians believe that at some point early in Epaphras' life, he made a road trip to the big city. He bought a t-shirt, you know, he went to all the cool places, saw a basketball game at the Madison Square Garden, or whatever they had. And he spent time in the big city. We don't know why he went there, and that really doesn't matter. Because what matters is what happened when he went there, and really, who he met. Now, I already told you that Paul had written a letter to the church at Ephesus, but he had built the church there by spending a few years in Ephesus. And really, some amazing things happened when Paul was there. Acts 19 tells us this, that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons, possibly handkerchiefs and aprons that had been manufactured in the textile centers in Colossae, they, when they touched Paul and were taken to sick people, well, their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Paul had a big ministry in Ephesus, and he was there for a while. He stayed there, really, for a long time. In fact, the Bible tells us that this went on for two years so that all the Jews and all the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And it's believed that Epaphras was one of all the Greeks who heard Paul preach. And in Ephesus, he heard that there weren't many local gods. Well, there was one true God, and it wasn't Caesar. It was this person, Jesus, who had lived and died in Nazareth and died in Jerusalem, and he was God. He had been raised from the dead. And Epaphras hears this message, and his life changes. He believes the gospel, and whatever reason he was in Ephesus no longer mattered because he took that message he believed, and he went back to his hometown of Colossae. And on the outside, he looked the same, but on the inside, he was much different, and he had a message to share, and he had a mission to serve. And we know from Paul's letter to the Colossians in verse 5 that he started sharing that message. Paul later tells the Colossian church that you have already heard the true message of the gospel that has come from you, or that has come to you, because you heard it from Epaphras. See, Epaphras goes back, and I don't know whether he preached a sermon, but if he did, then he gave an invitation, maybe even to his surprise, hands went up all throughout the room. And like the Baptist church used to say that I grew up in, people got saved and lives were changed. And Epaphras, he goes from this pagan to a follower of Jesus in Ephesus to an evangelist to a church planner. And then they put a little title before his name. Now all of a sudden he's Pastor Epaphras. The church we know was really small. One historian thinks there's maybe only 20 people there. We know from another letter that Paul wrote to the people in Colossians called Philemon. He says this, he says, that church that meets in your home, he refers to a, a church that meets in a house. We don't know how big houses were, but it was small enough that they could gather in one tiny place. But just because they were tiny didn't mean that God wasn't doing great things in their midst. 
Paul tells us that there is fruit being born. In fact, he says in Colossians that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been done, been doing among you, Colossian church, since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. See, God's grace was evident in their lives and in their midst, and even though they were small, the spirit was rich there, and they were growing. But hackers pretty quickly learn that Christianing, it ain't easy, and pastoring is even harder. Because now that these people were different, they had different beliefs than those around them. They no longer believed that there was all these gods that you had to keep happy. They believed in one god, so they stopped offering the sacrifices in the temples to the local gods. Well, when anything bad happened, they became an easy target for blame. The gods are mad because you Christians quit offering sacrifices. And even if there were people in their midst that didn't believe in like this angry, invisible God theory... They saw the Roman soldiers out in the, in the streets, and they knew what happened to people who disrespected Caesar. So they were really concerned. You guys got it. You need to worship Caesar. But the Christians wouldn't because they're God's Jesus now. And then there were Jews in their midst who had spread this actually really true rumor that the God of these Christians was someone who had been condemned as a criminal and was executed shamefully on a Roman cross. So the Christians in Colossae start going through these problems. It would have been like a first century version of cancel culture. When they took their fruits and vegetables to the market to sell, customers would walk by. They wouldn't buy from them. When they went to buy things that they needed, the shop owners would put out a clothes sign. We won't sell to you. Families would have rejected those who became part of this church. So you can imagine this young, baby Christian pastor, Epaphras, doesn't know what to do. And at some point he sits down and he does a little bit of third grade math. He makes an equation. You remember in, in elementary school the greater than, less than equations? He sat down and he started to figure out, he said, you know, this is kind of like an equation. On one side of an equation we have the Colossian church. This little church is gathering of 20 people. And on the other side we have the local religions we have the Romans, and we have, we have the Jewish rumors, we have the cancel culture. And do you remember how you, you figured out which side was greater than? This is the way I did it when I was in third grade. Whatever side was getting eaten was the bigger side. And he probably sat down and felt like, man, we're just, we're getting eaten alive. These problems are going to consume me. He saw all these greater thans that he was up against and he felt overwhelmed. Maybe you're here today and you have a situation in your life that you feel like is just greater than you. It's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, the last thing you think about when you go to bed. Every time you're not actively occupied with something, it's just that situation that's staring you in the face. Do you have a greater than in your life? And I can just imagine this this young pastor sitting down and praying, saying, God, what did you get me into? Paul made this look so easy. What am I supposed to do? And then he had an idea. Wait a second. The apostle Paul was only 100 miles away in Ephesus. I'm going to go ask him what to do. What a great idea. Just a little aside, if you're ever praying and have a great idea, it probably wasn't your idea. 
sometimes happens when you pray about things. Something just all of a sudden comes to mind, and it might be God telling you what to do. So, Epaphras runs the ultra marathon, goes over to Ephesus, he gets there, and he's like, Paul, give me a second, Paul, i got to tell you what's going on. It's great, like people got saved, but, but then they won't sell to us, but, but there's this fruit, and the Holy Spirit's moving, but, but everyone hates me, and I don't know what to do. And Paul, the wise apostle, puts his hand on Epaphras' shoulder and says, just calm down, just calm down. I mean, let me tell you what to do. I want you to go back to them, and this is what I want you to say. And then suddenly, we don't know why, but Epaphras and Paul get thrown into jail together. In that other letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church, Philemon, Paul puts it this way. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings. They got a postcard from Ephesus with Paul holding, or uh, Epaphras holding two bars, looking through them. Kind of like you go and you put your head into like uh, in Disneyland and you become Mickey Mouse. That's what they saw from Epaphras. And this little church who had all these greater ants can now add one more to their list. Their pastor is in jail. Now, we got to use our imaginations a little bit because the text doesn't tell us what exactly happened in that prison cell. But I can just imagine Epaphras in that prison cell, gets down on his knees and says, God, just has this real honest conversation with God. Maybe you've had a conversation like this before. God, what are you doing, God? Ah, I thought you told me to come here. The pastor told me when I pray and have a good idea, I should do it. Now I'm stuck in a prison cell. Was that not you, God? God, don't you care about that church? All those people don't know what to do, and now I'm stuck here, and I can't go help them. God, when I became a Christian, I thought it was going to be easy. But this is way harder. I've had nothing but problems since I believed in Jesus. The text doesn't say that that happened, but I think any of us who have ever tried to step out and do something that God's calling us to do, we've prayed prayers like that. We've had Epaphras moments. But we're just in over our heads. And I, I think in that moment, the Apostle Paul would have come to his younger brother, Epaphras, who was just so discouraged, and put his arm around him. He said, Epaphras, I want you to do something. I want you to look at something. And Paul would have pointed at those metal rods, those iron rods that were keeping them in that prison cell. And he said, Epaphras, what do you see? And Epaphras might have said something like, all I see are bars, prison bars, bars that are holding me in and preventing me from getting back to my friends and my family and those people that trusted me. And now I feel like I've abandoned them. And Paul might have said, ah, yes, see bars, but Epaphras, there's something else there. In between each of those bars is an opening. And when we see bars, God sees openings. And we can't fit between those bars, but a letter can fit through one of those openings to go and encourage that church because God creates openings through bars. God uses bars to create openings. And when in our lives and when in our church, all we focus on are the greater thans, then all we see is bars. But when we focus on Jesus, we see openings. 
Paul had learned that when there were bars blocking him from where he thought God was taking him, that in between those bars, God was creating an opening to do something else. And whenever it looked like God had made something impossible, instead of worrying about the impossible, Paul began to start working on what had become possible through that impossibility. And in your life today, you might be facing a bar. There might be something blocking you, something that's holding you back. And all you can think about is, God, why are you letting this happen to me? And the message we see here is that when God allows bars to come into your life, it also means he's creating an opening somewhere. He's guiding you maybe in a different direction because what he has for you might not be what you have for yourself, but what he has for you is better and it's what he wants you to do. And so in that prison cell, Paul sat down and he wrote a letter. He passed it through that opening. It was carried to that church in Colossae. And when they opened it and read that letter that we now know as the book of Colossians in our Bibles, they found out that none other than the Apostle Paul himself had been praying for them. And he had a vision for them. This little podunk town, this tiny group of believers that no one in the world knew they existed. Except for Paul and Epaphras locked up in a jail. And Paul starts telling them, I know God's done great things in your past, but I want you to know I have a vision for your future. In verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, I see a future where you are giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He's saying there is a future inheritance for you. You might be focused on the past behind you and only the problems before you, but beyond that, I see great things God wants to do in you. God has a plan for you, and he's not done with you yet. And he's speaking to their fears and their uncertainties and their anxieties, and he says, God has more for you. And he can't say this because he knows Epaphras is going to post bail and get out of jail and come back and help him. He doesn't know that. And he's not saying it because he's going to write them a complete church handbook for every problem you might have. That's not what this letter is. He says it for one reason and one reason only. Because Paul knows and he wants them to know and have the confidence that. Verse 13. For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son, Jesus, he loves. He is saying that we can have this confidence because there's a son who has rescued us. And even though in our lives and in our church we may feel like we face greater thans, he wants us to know there is one who is greater than all the greater thans that we face. That's the message that Paul write, Paul's writing to the Colossians. That's the message of this entire series we are embarking on is that Jesus is greater than. Jesus is greater than the local gods. He's greater than the cancel culture. He's greater than the Roman Empire. He's greater than an Ephesian prison. He's greater than any problem, any challenge, any difficulty that you are up against. Jesus is greater than all the bars in your life. He is greater than. And because of that, we can have confidence. We can have hope. We can have passion. Because Jesus is greater than. And, and CAC family, I, I love this book because I feel like, like we have so much in common with this, with this church. We have uncertainties and anxieties, don't we? We're still in the middle of a pandemic in our world. Still dealing with all the ramifications of that. 
And when you look at culture at large, doesn't it just feel like every day our convictions as followers of Jesus are clashing more and more with the values of our culture? But, but, but really, it's even more than that for us, right, CAC family. If you call this your church, it hits really close to home. The, the Colossian church, though, their pastor is in jail. One week they had one pastor, and the next week it, he, he wasn't there anymore. And let's be honest, like we're going through some pastoral change right now. Thankfully, I haven't heard that Pastor Denny is in jail yet. I, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> if he winds up there, I'm sure he'll be telling everyone about Jesus. But, but Pastor Denny has been called by God to move on to the next chapter of his life. And we know God's going to use him in whatever he does. But that means some change for us. And Paul's speaking to their anxieties, and I really think he's speaking to ours, and he's saying that the message for the Colossian church is true for us today. Because God has more for us to do. God has called us to so much more because Jesus is greater than. And that'll never change. God sees things in our future that he will be calling us to give thanks for. People here who will be getting baptized because he has intervened in their life and they've realized that Jesus is greater than. Children who are going to be sent to a mission field because they heard the message that Jesus is greater than in one of our children's ministries and God's called them to take the Jesus is greater than message throughout the world. Students who are this close to taking their own life Believing that Jesus is greater than and then being used to minister to other students around the world, telling them the same truth that impacted them. Jesus is greater than, and he has a vision that's greater than anything that we can imagine for ourselves. And he's calling us to pursue that. But he wants us to know that, that, that when we do that, it's not going to be because Pastor Bob's a great leader. He is. I've worked for Pastor Bob for seven years. I'm thrilled that he's going to be leading our staff. He is the right person. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. But it's not because he's a great leader. It's not because I'm a great speaker. I'm really excited to get more chances to spend time with you growing in God's word. But, but when we see Jesus become greater than in the lives of people, it's not because I'm a good preacher. We have an amazing staff. We're bringing great team members onto a team that was great already. We're going to serve you tirelessly. We're going to love you like family. We're going to come up with new ways to reach people. But when we, when we take the message that Jesus is greater than and we see what God is doing, it's not going to be because we have a great staff. And, and Pastor Denny is 100% right, and I hope you heard it as a church family. Our church family is incredible. You, you guys are some of the most generous people I've ever met. There are talents in our church that are world-renowned. We have people who are so sacrificial in giving of their time and their energy, so loving and accepting. Our church is fantastic. But Jesus isn't going to reach people because we're great. There's one thing and one thing only that people need to know to change their lives. And for us as a church... To pull his mission, and that is Jesus is greater than. Paul wanted the Colossian church to know that Jesus is greater than. Don't rely on Epaphras, 
Don't rely on me, Paul. Jesus is greater than. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. I'm excited to study this book with you. My prayer is that you will join me and our team in taking this message that Jesus is greater than out of these walls to our community, but also embracing it in our lives. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we come before you. Thank you so much for this letter. God, I thank you that Epaphras wound up in jail. I do. I know it's easy for me to say, but if he had just gone back, I don't know if we had this letter. And I don't know that that church would have realized that, that Jesus is the one that we follow. Father, I pray that if there's anything that's ever said about this church, this is the thing. Wow, that church, that church is all about Jesus. That church lifts Jesus higher up. He's greater than anything else. God, may that desire become a reality. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to invite you to come back next week. We're going to be diving in. uh, Chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. If you want to read ahead, have a wonderful week. God bless you. See you next Sunday.